It's no secret the NFL has a problem with race. Think Colin Kaepernick. Think Brian Flores. But this isn't a new problem. It's one that started as far back as the 1930s, with a ban on Black players in the NFL, with a past that informs the present. Blackballed is a new miniseries podcast from The Ringer about the four men who broke the color barrier in football. I'm your host, Chelsea Stark-Jones. You can find Blackballed on The Ringer NFL feed. It's the Full Go, presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. And right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays, or SGPs as the kids like to call them, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. And present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Chicago everywhere. Check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go Podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. He is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. What's up? What's up? What's up, Jay? What's happening? What's going on, fellas? How y'all doing? Good. Good. How about yourself? Oh, dude, I'm great. Great. How's everybody's uh, Easter weekend? It was good. I was just talking to Tony about it. I was supposed to go to my brother's house, wound up not going there. Um, so I was with my sister, my mom at my sister's place. I had a little like, uh, ham. My sister got two teeth taken out. She went oh. to the dentist. Yeah. It's tough, tough holiday for that. Yeah. <laughs> so she, she just munched on her mash, the mashed potatoes pretty much. There you go. There you go. Well, hopefully she gets back to, uh, supreme mouth health, you know, low oh, yeah. pain tolerance, hopefully coming up here. Well, <laughs> high pain tolerance. I know. Uh, Tony, what'd you do? What'd you get into with the family, man? Uh, well, uh, Saturday, uh, we had the funeral of my aunt. So, uh, oh, a lot of extended that, family. Thanks, man. A lot of extended family was in town. Um, then Sunday, uh, church, uh, had all the, the family there. Uh, and then now, you know, I was at my parents and now I'm at uh, her family. So, you know, just a lot, a lot of family yeah. time this weekend yeah. for me. Yeah, I remember what what uh, Easter used to be, you know, because my my grandmother when she was still with us, uh, deeply religious woman. So, you know, the, these affairs were always, you know, going over my grandmother's house, hanging out with the family, everybody eating, everybody. Uh, it was a tradition. Yeah, getting on each other's nerves, but still being around each other. Right. Sometimes I miss that because we're all like spread out now. When you grow up. People get their own lives. People start to get their own families and you don't want to travel much and all the other things that come into play. But uh, I'm glad everybody got a chance to uh, hang out a little bit with their family. I got a chance to work uh, Easter Sunday. Mm -hmm. So that's always a blessing. You know what I mean? Again, I rose to watch some basketball. Uh, (laughs) I thought the the suit game was going to be more out there. Yeah, like more yeah. Craig Sager. I was a little you, laid back. Yeah, you, you back. went laid back today. I mean, I've never gone crazy. Like the the wildest. I don't know what the what's the wildest suit I've worn. I only have a, like I have a pink suit. That turtleneck I, situation. I feel like the turtleneck is what caused the most <laughs> conversation. Think, yeah. What you mean? I wear that all the time, though. 
I wear I, I wear turtlenecks quite often. I feel like that's what the was it the the mustard. Oh, you talking about like uh, with people turtleneck? The, the most reaction, I think. Yes, you got. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, come on, man. It's it's, it's a lot of a lot of men out there who aren't uh who are happy with their standing in life and and you know their face card has never never ever ever been valid. So they've they've had to they've had to throw that shade on people who. Uh, just plain old look better than them. I got to be honest with you, man. I'm tired. Of, you know, we're going into the spring of 2023 here. The humility is shedding as, as quickly as the pounds hopefully will when the summer rolls around. So anybody who hated on the mustard t- turtleneck, I mean, you got to be honest. I mean, Jason Benetti got a joke off. Uh, I sent a bunch of shit to his phone that I probably could never say on the air uh, because that's the kind of relationship that we have, right? And if he ever, ever really wants to get me in trouble, he will make those texts public. But other than that, you know, I, you know, he took a shot at me. I probably took uh, a couple more shots at him than I probably needed to. But that's my man, fifty grand. Nah, J- JB is all good. But yeah, man, nah, I, uh, I, I, I didn't have anything extravagant planned today. You know, a little houndstooth action, a little cream jacket. You know, they were going crazy about the shoes, obviously. But you know, Will and Wendell Kindle are, are a hilarious bunch, boy. These these men have made here. You know what I'm about to do right now? I'm about to do something that I have never done in my life, which is dig into my teammates' pockets. Here, hold on, real quick. I'm yeah. You know what? Because they they made a big deal about the shoes that I wore on the pregame show. Uh, today. So here, let me let me take a look here because I've never done this before because in working with athletes, I've always thought it was corny to to care about their money or even like converse with them about their money. But hold on. Let me let me let me say Kendall Gill. Ooh, I want I want to click on that. Uh, here we go. Kendall Gill. Hmm. Let's look at how much Kendall Gill has made in his NBA career while he's out here counting my bucks. Here, career earnings. All right, all right, where we at with Kendall Gill? (laughs) Over the course of his 15 year career, made $43 million, ladies and gentlemen. This is the man that I am next to 82 times a season who can't wait to point out anything that I wear that might be a little bit, you know, um, High end, or a little bit, you know, uh, a little bit more tasteful. The, the the fabrics feel a little bit different on your skin, type of vibe. And I don't even, you know, Will, Will was a a champion many times over. And I will say this: Will is a champion at the bank because if you look at somebody and know, okay, they doing what they need to do with their money, it's Will Purdue here. Let's see what Will, what Big Will did throughout his career. This really feels gross, to be honest with you. I got to be honest. Like, I never, ever wanted to do this to ever, ever, ever look at my team. And yet, here we are. Yeah, man, because they put me out there again today. They they messed around. (laughs) It was like, oh, NBC Sports Chicago broke the bank. And I'm like, little do they know, (laughs) that didn't happen. Start calling you millionaire golf. Nah, never going to do that. Mm -mm. (laughs) That is not what we need to do in anybody's anybody's reality. They touched a million. I think he touched a million. It's in win. <laughs> in win. At some in point, win. I believe oh, that. Over the course of working? Yeah. I mean, was, I, but come uh, on. I, I think Jason Golf, pre and post game post. In a year. Of, of the. Oh, uh, we, need of, to, we need to stop this shit now. <laughs> bring your fame. Has, has gotten a million, at least oh. in, the, in the last two years. We need to, ah, this man now he's like look at look at the look at the sauce he's putting on it in the last two years, huh? And my man Will Purdue in the course of his career made $22 million. So I am working with dudes who made $43 and $22 million respectively in their NBA careers and have made money with real estate and all the other things that they've been doing since they retired from the NBA. Don't, don't, don't you ever, Will Purdue, don't you ever pull out a bucket and start to shine my shoes on camera like you've never seen shoes before that cost, you know, over <laughs> certain dollars. Knock it off. And Kendall, you should know better. And hey, listen, man. I know, I know you was the man back in your day, and, and we don't even want to talk about what happened with the flying line eye because I know y'all was getting paid. I don't even want to play them games with y'all. I, we can, we the statute of limitations is over. I know, ain't no way in hell they was gonna get four or five of y'all that good, that talented, and that ready to rock in Champaign, Illinois. Okay, so knock it off. 
My man Stephen Bardo went from Carbondale to Champagne. You kidding me? Bardo could have went anywhere in the damn nation. And, and Kendall, Kendall was a, uh, 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 I think Kendall was a McDonald's All American, wasn't he? If I'm not mistaken, Kendall could have went anywhere in the country. Stayed home, did what he had to do. But please believe, I saw some of them pictures. You know, I saw what Nick Anderson was driving. Okay, I saw Kendall out there with the holy shirts. You feel me? The see-through joints, the mesh joints. I know what you was out here doing, KG. Don't play with me. You know, brothers out here slaving over a hot microphone three times a week for this goddamn podcast. Y'all got the nerve to try to count my pockets on this blessed Easter Sunday, as my mama would say. All right, now we're ready to roll. Which which number is this? Damn it! Somebody say something. This is episode 230. <laughs> episode 230. <laughs> as the the enthusiasm for this episode is leaking out of Jesse Lopez's voice as he tries to give me the number. The voices that you have already heard on this joint, Jesse Lopez and my main man, Tony Gill. I'm Jason Goff. And hey, Bulls fans, we did it. We made it. We got to the end of a regular season. Give it up for yourselves. Yeah. Huh? At what point did you think you were going to jump off? Huh? Which loss or which which soul-crushing game-winning shot by the other team made you think, oh, this ain't going so well? Or which three-game win streak? Because they never they never quite got over the hump to that. I think they had one four-game win streak, if I'm not mistaken. But which three-game win streak made you feel like, I'm back in? This team ended up at 40 and 42. Tony Gill. There's been a lot of positives. There's been some negatives, a lot of negatives, some pros, some cons, but that's what happens in a sub-500 season where it easily could have been 500, and the year before, you easily could have been sub-500, but you were right on the cusp of 500 basketball. So the outlier, ladies and gentlemen, as we've talked about, was the 35 games that Lonzo Ball played with this team to start his Bulls career. Since then, This team has been below average, has not remained consistent at any point offensively nor defensively. I mean, I'll say this. After January 1st, this team defensively has done exactly what you wanted it to do, but there have been some leaky moments. You know, they still had a couple of those 65-point first halves allowed. Uh, The three-point defense was atrocious down the stretch, especially. But I will say this. If we're looking at two columns for this 40-42 40-42 and 42 season by the Chicago Bulls, getting ready to play a playing game against Toronto on Wednesday. I did not think that we would be done talking about Zach Levine's knee injury and surgery this quickly. I thought that this was going to be a thing that we were going to have to worry about, not only this year, but through the length of the contract. And obviously things may pop up, but I commend Zach Levine for at a certain point in the season saying, hey, man, we're playing back-to-backs. We're going to play every single night we possibly can. Um, Zach is a very confident dude. He's a very proud dude. Uh, He's a dude who understands when shots are being taken at him. And sometimes he armors up with more confidence. Sometimes it resonates. But I think that that price tag, that contract that he got and, and now has to live up to, I think this season showed you a lot in terms of not taking the easy way out in terms of resting that leg in certain spots and in certain instances, only doing the back-to-back situation with rest up until the doctor said he had to because after that, he was full bore. I believe he played the final 68 games of the season, something, some 70 games of the season, something like that. So Zach Levine became a more reliable player after he got healthy, after the offseason was over where he didn't get a chance to shoot or really hoop that much, had a baby, got married, like just cultivating a new family, had a lot going on this offseason. But throughout this season, and especially I'd say this last month or so, Zach has shown the glimpses of what you want him to be more consistently. Uh, I thought over the last couple of weeks of the season, Zach's defense, because he had pointed it out to everybody that everybody respected him as a premier on-ball defender. But Zach's defense, by the way, Zach played the last 76 games. Oh, he played in 76 games this season. I mean. Coming off of that knee surgery, who knew what that number would be? So I commend him for that. Um, defensively, turned into a better player down to, to stretch of the season. The last stretch, I should say, uh, when Patrick Beverly showed up, I think a lot of guys put their first date faces on. 
and started to started to play and, and represent themselves uh, a little bit better than they had previously. Um, now it sucks that that had to be the case, and it's it's evident that that was the case, and that takes me to the next guy because Zach Levine, I think, is at where you're going to have him for good, for better, for worse, whatever the case may be. I think this is the level that he's going to play at for the duration of this contract while it's on the upside. Uh, I think he will be a 26, 27-point-per-game dude for the next few years. Uh, I think his defense will take incremental steps up. Is Zach going to be some stopper? No, but I think we'll be less surprised in the moments where Zach Levine is locking somebody down in the fourth quarter of a game. Playmaking-wise, there's still something left, you know, left to be desired. Uh, Turnover-wise, there's always one or two a game where you're like, what was that? Um, late games, it, it's hurt you in situations where it used to be decisions and now it seems like it's turnovers. But Zach Levine, you know, there's, a, there's all flawed players in the NBA, right? Zach Levine is a flawed player, but the, the, his marketable skill is putting the ball in the hole. <laughs> and he does it at a high level. And he does it at a far more efficient level than I ever anticipated his career getting to. So shout out to him for the work that he's put in and the work that he's going to have to continue to put in, uh, whether it's here in Chicago or elsewhere. Because I think every offseason where he is a, uh, a, a clutch, um, you know, a clutch player represented by clutch, I think they like to get their players in situations where they can win a championship. If they've already made the money, especially, then it's time to move guys around. Now you have to look good for the agency and not only look good for the agency, but look good for yourself. So I wonder, and I've asked this question over the last month or so on this pod, I wonder how much more mid-basketball is in Zach Levine's future before he presses the button on where he, you know, the determining factors of his destination and location should be. Uh, the DeMar DeRozan piece. DeMar was outstanding again this year. Uh, and, and I think we learned that um, asking DeMar DeRozan to be what the Bulls have asked him to be, it, it puts you at a certain cap uh, in terms of not only what your expectations should be, but what your final results will be. Uh, I, I think DeMar this year handled the ball way, way too much. And it's not in a bad way. Like, don't, don't, don't say, uh, don't think that I'm, I'm saying that DeMar can't handle the ball. I think DeMar would benefit by having another ball handler out there, another person that they could trust with the offense, especially in the pick and roll. Um, DeMar was responsible for way too many decisions this year that had to do with other players. And when you get into the pick and roll with DeMar, more times than not, you just better go get the rebound. Um, And and DeMar is a volume shooter, right? He's a a guy who's going to get up a certain amount of shots. He's a guy that is not going to run. So this team has two different dynamics when DeMar is off the floor and when he's on the floor. So can you play and kind of couch both styles while also playing winning basketball? How do you build your team when DeMar DeRozan is your lead uh, distributor, lead playmaker, lead decision maker? Especially if you're not going to run but have a lot of pieces that want to run. You know, Alex Caruso is a guy who gets break started and wants to run. Ayo Desumu, we've seen this year, uh, the regression, I think, took place because teams knew he wanted to run. And in situations where you're taking the ball out of the net because the defense didn't really lock up until the first of the year, then you're, you're walking the ball up. And he's playing off the ball a lot of the times as well in Iota Sumu. So the way this team was constructed and has been constructed over the last couple of years had a different lead ball handler in mind. And since it became DeMar DeRozan, I think the cap was reached. Now, I think DeMar DeRozan played another terrific season in terms of offense, but defensively, he got worse this year. He got a lot worse this year, seemingly, and it was glaring in certain moments. Now, how much can you ask from a dude who's going in, what, in his 15th year now? So how much more are you going to ask from him, especially when you're asking him to shoulder the offensive load that he's shouldered? And then you take it to the next guy, Nikola Vucevic, who played in all 82 games this year. Like, commendable commendable you know there's a lot of dudes who don't do that for one and then two don't do it at the level that he does right like Patrick Williams played his first 82 game season this year and I think you saw the growth and and I think sometimes even I have to check myself about him losing an entire year what playing what 16 17 games losing an entire year um due to the Mitchell Robinson injury when, when the ligaments got torn in his wrist but 
I think we saw some of the strides, but the strides aren't coming as fast as you would hope for, especially with a guy with that kind of frame and that kind of, uh, you know, that that kind of just raw talent base. So where this team is right now is exactly where I think they will be going forward if moves aren't made. Um, and how many moves can you make? because of how many contracts are just locked up. You got my maybe three things that might change things without a trade, right? I mean, Vooch and his future, you don't, you don't not trade Vooch at the trade deadline to then lose him in the offseason unless you are making real, real uh, philosophical changes to the basketball team. Unless you're going to put like a, just a run and jump and block shots guy at that position for a lot less money and say, hey, Vooch, go get, go, you know, go get, you're $26, $27 million elsewhere. I mean, he's 18 and 11 and played every single game in a contract year. So teams will be able to use Vooch. I just don't know which ones who have a hole at the center position who play that kind of basketball will be able to use Vooch. Like Vooch needs a certain amount or certain things around him. Like he's not just one of these plug-and-play centers, I believe. So with that being said, this team's getting ready to play the Toronto Raptors on Wednesday. I do believe they'll win this game against against Nick Nurse and the Toronto Raptors because and watching Toronto over the last week and a half, they've I think they've had issues scoring, and I don't trust this team uh, to defend on the road, but I do trust them to put on put up some points. And I think Demar Derozan is looking forward to the opportunity now. Nick Nurse might just might just benefit from Demar Derozan looking forward to to uh, getting back at his old squad. And Nick Nurse is going to take the ball out of their hands. You know that. So guys going to have to hit shots. Guys like Patrick Williams, guys like Patrick Beverly, Kobe White. I forgot to mention Kobe White. Kobe White has had, I think, the most impressive year uh, from, from anybody outside of the big three. Uh, and maybe you could throw him in there as far as the growth from the beginning of the year to the end of the year up against anybody. Like, the way Kobe White played this year, uh, especially at the end of the season, was fantastic. Both both ends of the floor, too, right? Like, a guy whose arms aren't very long, right? So it seems like he plays smaller than the 6'5 than he actually is. A guy whose arms aren't very long got into a lot of passing lanes down the stretch of the season, was bodying up on guys, defending, getting over pick and rolls. Like he, it's like he understood this, the scouting reports. Like, the, the roller decks were just right there in, in every moment, especially down the stretch of the season, for him to come up big, not only in the offensive end, but on the defensive end, especially on the offensive end, where a guy like Billy Donovan finally started to trust him with the basketball. Like, you saw Kobe White doing a lot of the point guard things they were, they were trying to force feed him two years ago. So it went from point guard to lead guard to just guard. And now he's trending back towards that point guard field now. Will I put him at, at the helm and say, hey, this is a dude who could be a starting point guard on a championship contender? No, not yet. But, man, the, the dude made some terrific decisions down the stretch, and when they needed some energy, when they needed a jolt, especially defensively, like him taking charges from Joel Embiid and LeBron James in the same week, like, meant something to me. On a team that doesn't take a lot of charges, on a team, you know, before Patrick Beverly that didn't have a whole bunch of, you know, uh, oomph to it defensively. Yeah, they they rotated and helped out a lot better down the stretch of the season, but it didn't seem like they had that we're going to take the ball away from you kind of mentality outside of Alex Caruso and Javante Green being on the floor at the same time, which we all know they missed a lot of games. So. The fact that Kobe White rounded this game out not only defensively but offensively with the vision and the playmaking ability, especially with the improved handle, I'm all about it, man. I'm all about it. So this season sucked. I got to be honest with you. This season was not fun. Um, the, the expectations that I had coming into it, 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 it seemed like this season should have been in that 44-45 game uh, realm, especially when you look at who won this year, right, and how they won. Like. I'm still flabbergasted that the Brooklyn Nets are not in the plan, if not out of the, the, the postseason activity. Because when Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving get traded, and all of a sudden Mikael Bridges and them boys get minutes and, and start to play like a cohesive unit and actually keep you in the playoffs, like not having the like – you got my, the Miami Heat, the Toronto Raptors, the Atlanta Hawks, and the Chicago Bulls in the playing tournament. Like, teams with stars, teams with max players on it. And the Brooklyn Nets made a trade that shook up not only their organization, but the rest of the NBA and kept it moving. 
Like, kudos to them. The same shit that, that KD and Kyrie saw in them in terms of franchise culture and the nest that it was already built, hey, that thing kept them afloat. Because that's the only way they play in the way they play right now. Like, they, like, they're not bereft of talent, but they don't have enough talent to keep afloat the way they have. And going into the playoffs now, you know, they're, they're going to be lunch, right? They, they're going to be lunch. But I, I like that kind of team. I want that kind of vibe. And to see a team like that and to see players like that rise to the moment and rise to the occasion, this, this season just left me empty, to be honest with you. It just left me empty as a Bulls fan. Um, there, there were so many head-scratching moments. I, I, I found myself asking, do they have the wrong coach? Um, do they have the wrong architect? Um, how good can you be with Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan as your best players? Like, all these questions were up in the air, and damn it, the results answered some of those questions. Like, you are what you are. And the NBA, I feel more so than any other league, is the greatest truth teller. Like, the things that we learned about these players and this organization and this team this year are right there for you. Brass tacks, black and white, 40 and 42. Disappointing, to say the least. Arturis Karnaschova's immediate day said they wanted to do better than last year, which was get out of the first round. You're not even firmly in the first round right now. Okay? So, I want to know what's going to be sacrificed so that this won't happen again. And I'm not talking about people's jobs. <laughs> I'm not talking about uh, minutes. I'm not talking about shots. I'm talking about at the core, what's going to happen here to show me that this was unacceptable? Because I heard that word a lot this year, what was acceptable and what wasn't acceptable. But if you've got guys who aren't afraid to sit down, nothing's going to change. So. Do you have to remove some of those guys? Do you have to add more people like Patrick Beverly to kind of make things uncomfortable? There's a certain amount of professional discomfort that's necessary. And I don't know if this team had it all year long. And they dealt with a lot this year. They dealt with an awful lot. I mean, injury-wise, you know, they, they <laughs> Javante Green, Alex Caruso, the guys who are the glue guys, missed some games for you. The guys who you count on, and you have to ask yourself, how much can you count on them going forward? Played a lot of games. So it's right there for you if you are Tourist Karnashovitz and Mark Eversley. Now it's their job to make sure that this doesn't happen again. To make sure that you don't go into a team, because let's face it, if that's the team that you put out there and you think that they were better than, you know, the playing tournament, then you must be looking at the coach. And if the coach is out there not playing guys or rotation is a lot different than you expected, then that's the coach telling you that this team wasn't put together well enough, right? Like Billy Donovan has said, you know, they didn't, they, they didn't offend, they haven't defended the three the way that they would like to. They haven't shot the three the way they would, they, they would like to. For two years now, we've been talking about this team needing something like a stretch big or just a dead-eye three-point shooter. Kick the tires on Danilo Gallinari, obviously he gets hurt. But when Luke Kennard goes to the Memphis Grizzlies for the price tag that he goes to, and Luke Kennard is still hitting shots anywhere he's gone, whether it be Detroit, the clip joint, or now in Memphis, like, I, I got to ask myself, some of these trades that you made to kind of make yourself better have put you in a position where you can't make yourself better. <clears throat> a lot of those trades, you know, and in and, and, and the moment, I understood the Vooch trade. In the moment. As you were looking Zach Levine square in the eyes and saying, hey, we're going to get you somebody to play with here because we know that you're getting ready to be an all-star type player and we got to max you out anyway. So we got to make sure that this stay is comfortable. So you, you kick the developing and drafting uh, idea out the window and now when you take a look at it, you, you, you're not going to have that top four protected pick this year, right? So you're looking at maybe that Blazers pick, hopefully, and I don't even know what the lowdown is with that. But you, you're in a very uncomfortable position with not a lot of maneuverability. So we're going to find out what Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley are and how good they are at their gigs because it's going to take some uh, wiggling to get out of this situation. But on the whole, hey, man, it's an average season, below average season. If it's unacceptable, we'll see how unacceptable it is. But still got a play-in tournament and, of course, the NBA playoffs to watch. We'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff. After a word from our sponsors. 
What up, world? It's Vic Spencer, and you're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Speaking of the NBA playoffs on this, the uh, last day of the NBA season, there was some fireworks, huh? How about Rudy Gobert and Kyle Anderson getting into it? The light-skinned matchup that you didn't know that you needed, but damn it, you got anyway. Kyle Anderson looking Rudy Gobert square in the face and saying, shut the fuck up, bitch, on Easter Sunday. Like, what? How fla- What every player has ever said to go Rudy Gobert except on the same team. See, but this is, hey, man, let me tell you something. Like, you could tell when when uh, when an STFUB is brewing, right? You could tell when somebody's just waiting to say it. You know what I mean? Like, remember back in the day when you'd be in high school and you'd be at, you'd be at the lunch table or something and you see two people, like, who are friends, like, just jawing back and forth or whatever the case may be, and the person who kind of is on the outer, you know, the outer edges or fringes of the friendship or are the outskirts, like, jump in, and that person just immediately takes the sledgehammer to kill an ant and just like, no, nah, you shut the fuck up, bitch, because I ain't talking to you. Like, that's what... Like Kyle, Kyle looked at him and was like, "Oh, he got he got one more sentence to get out about me telling him to block some shot." Because apparently, did y'all read this? This <laughs> what Adrian Wojnarowski tweeted out was the entire. By the way, a Woj bomb coming because of a fight is hilarious to me. Like these dudes, these dudes start packing bags when Woj starts to tweet about them. The fact that he is fighting out, like, minute by minute, it, the game ain't even over yet. And he's found out what was exactly said to Rudy Gobert by Kyle Anderson. So this is, and by the way, reading it in Adrian Wojnarowski's voice in your head is the best part of all these tweets to me. So he says, quote, ESPN sources say Minnesota's Rudy Gobert has escalated a verbal argument to a physical encounter after Kyle Anderson told him to, quote, Shut the fuck up, bitch. Unquote. The disagreement started with Anderson telling Gobert, check it out, to block some shots. Gobert telling him to grab a rebound and ended with a punch and Gobert getting sent home. The best part is your man Kyle Anderson went back into the locker room and said, it's either going to be me or it's going to be him. And Anthony Edwards is in the corner like, it could be both y'all motherfuckers for all I care. <laughs> what? Who? What are we talking about here? Like, you talk about inconsequential beef. You feel me? Like, like we got to take it back to, like, wh- what, is, what is the most inconsequential beef in rap history or entertainment history where you're like, hey, don't nobody care that y'all fighting? Like, y'all can cut this shit out now. Or y'all can have it escalate all the way to fisticuffs and no one will still care. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, can you, we celebrated a week and a half where the Patrick Beverly's telling LeBron James he too little, right? Because of the because the combatants had played there. Man, Kyle Anderson and Rudy Gobert get into a fight in my backyard. I am drawing the fucking blinds. You hear me? I'm, I'm closing the bitches up like, yeah, they out there tripping. Huh? We don't need to see this bullshit. What? what? Jim, Jim Jones talking about uh, Pusha T don't belong in the 50. I did not care oh about what that God. man said. After oh that, I'm like, okay. Listen, listen, listen. I, You know. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Jim Jones, and you know Jimmy's riding the wave right now. He's down with Drake, so there there there's where some of the shots are coming from, right? You know, you go against his man, you know, because he went super hard for 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 Drake for some reason. Then you find out there's some OVO money probably coming his way, tour stuff, and all that other thing. But you know, come on, man, Pusha T. If if you don't like Pusha T, that's fine. All you're telling me is you don't like sophisticated coke rap. And if that's the case, then that's fine, too, because I love sophisticated coke rap, okay? I love drug raps. I love hearing rap music and pretending like the Miami Vice soundtrack is playing in the background, okay? There's a certain way that I grew up around a certain people, uh, you know, and I know people, oh, you're from Evanston. Yeah, yeah, we moved to Evanston. We moved to Evanston because, you know. Because I like those rap songs. That's 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 how we got to Evanston. Okay, so yeah, if you want to talk shit about Pusha T, I am not down with it. I'm not down with it. But Kyle Anderson and Rudy Gobert, come on, dog, cut it out, fam. Both of y'all, knock it off. And what are the hey man, the Houston Rockets, huh? You let my guy Steven Silas take lumps for for three years now. Now all of a sudden, y'all might get the big Frenchman, and y'all moving along. You know what this looked like. 
This looks like Greg Popovich, Bob Hill to me. That's what this looks like. Greg Popovich let Bob Hill get his ass whooped for a year and a half. Remember? And then D- David Robinson went down, and they're like, hey, David, just, just sit down. We got a plan. We got a plan, Admiral. We got a plan. Uh, I know little kids love you and love seeing Shaq, you know, beast you every time he gets a chance in the playoffs. But we, we got a plan, big dog. Okay, shout out to Dave Robinson. You know, good guy. Amazing guy. His son actually worked with us at NBC Sports Chicago. Another amazing guy. Like, his son was exactly who you think David Robinson would spit out. Like, like, like I've never met a nicer young man in my life. Right? Good-looking kid. Uh, never spoke a word of slang. You know what I'm saying? He, he beautiful head of hair. Played wide receiver at Notre Dame. And then just wants to just put his toe into broadcasting. You feel me? Like, he's one of those ones where it's like, you're looking at him like, ah, uh-huh. it's good to be David Robinson's son. It's good to be David Robinson's son. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But where was I with this? Oh, yeah. When Greg Popovich did Bob Hill dirty. When Greg Popovich was like, hey, 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 hey. Just chill. Just chill. Bob, coach this team up. Get them ready. You know, you're going to be playing with a bunch of nobodies out there because David Robinson's going to be sitting out. You know, he's hurt. All of a sudden, they get the number one pick. Greg Popovich is like, hey, Bob Hill, it's been real. Thank you so much. I am about to start my legacy and be called the greatest coach in NBA history. I'm going to start um, I'm going to start load management and get none of the blame for it at all. <laughs> at all. I'm going to start this thing called load management that's going to piss off all the people who actually were playing in the generation that I was coaching in, but they love blaming it on the younger kids. So I'm going to start this thing. I'm going to say a couple things about social justice, make sure to Blacks get on my side. And then I'm going to be out this bitch because I am Greg Popovich. That's what's happening to Houston Rockets. And you know what? Watch him get win. Watch the Spurs get Wimby this offseason. Oh, you already it's gonna know. It's going to happen. 100%. You already, <laughs> you already know. And I always might do it to his ass. I was about to say to his black ass because he speak up for us. <laughs> He's so. like, ah, I this hope- feels familiar. Yeah. Uh, another all-time great? Yeah, this is what I'm used to. Uh, generational bigs. Yep, yep, yep. I'm going to teach them how to play the right way. You know, pull those pants up, son. You're in San Antonio. <laughs> oh, man. San Antonio. Have y'all ever been to San Antonio? No. Never. It's the fucking worst. I, listen, I, I, got a, I got a chance to cover... I got a chance to cover a Final Four in San Antonio, and boy, was it the pits. You can have that fucking river walk, too. That is that is nothing but an open how, sewer. How far is it from tour. Houston? Um, I don't know. I don't know. All I knew is I, I walked around, and I was like, oh, they go to Alamo Dome. <laughs> All right. There's the actual Alamo. I've seen everything. It's time to leave. We walked into a club in San Antonio, and the moment I walk in, the one brother who was on the wall was like, Y'all shouldn't be here, man. I was like, hey, you ain't got to oh. tell me twice, player. I am out this bitch. Thank you so much. <laughs> you feel me? <laughs> there are way too many cowboy boots and big belt buckles on brown people for me. For me. You know what I'm saying? Shout, shout out, shout out to, to, my, to my Mexican homeboys. Listen, I was sitting around here like, all right, um, they going to know that I'm not one of them, and then there's going to be an issue here soon. So beers for everyone, and let's get the fuck up out of here. There was one shout to get out. Club. Yeah, y'all, oh, real deal. <laughs> Brother looked me in the eye. I was like, hey, you need to get on up out of here. Like on the walk in. I was like, oh, thank you. Thank you. That that will that will <laughs> that will that will end. That will come to a conclusion. My uh San Antonio club visit. So yeah, man. Oh yeah, there was a Dick's Last Resort too, which is always a charming place to go get a bite to eat. Yeah, San Antonio. <laughs> You can kiss my ass, no spit or crack. You know, I'm not. I'm not a big fan of the city of San Antonio. So yeah, that's how it's gonna work. The basketball guys are gonna drop the big Frenchman right there, and uh, and you know, Victor Wembanyama is gonna go on to win three or four MVPs. Pop is gonna be coaching until he's 95, like Red Auerbach. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be awesome. Time for some commercials. Hey guys, this is Ozzy Guille, and you are listening to the full goal with Jason Goff on the ringer in a spot five. Thoughts on Dallas, Jake? You know, everybody's doing the whole, yeah, well, you know, can't really put this on Kyrie. Let me just say this, though. <laughs> you ever wonder why that one girl is single? 
Like, you know, you, she's at she's at all the parties. She's fine as hell. You know, and you're like, man. And let, even when you run into her, you're like, this is, she is cool as hell. Like, man, you know, like, I, I, I have no idea why, why this woman can't keep somebody. Right? And then, and then you see him get with somebody and you're like, oh, shit. I know that dude, so it ain't going to work out, right? <laughs> right? And then it, it eventually it eventually dissolves, and you're like, oh, it was that dude's fault. <laughs> it got to be that dude's fault. And then she don't get none of the blame. Guess what? You know, Kyrie, <laughs> this, ain't, this ain't just a coinky-dink, though. Like, like, maybe I, it's you, dog. Maybe, maybe it's you. And, and you know what? Maybe it ain't even the play. Maybe, just maybe, you're a fucking drag. <laughs> like, like, maybe, just maybe, when you come around, motherfuckers just stop having fun. Like, the NBA, the NBA is probably, I, I would guess, the most fun league to play in. I would guess. And now that the weed rules have been lifted, like, <laughs> it is Yaha time. All you got to do is not test positive at the beginning of the season, right? But, man... You, you're running from city to city. You're enjoying your life. Maybe you're getting more enlightened, right? You, you, you're meeting people that you would have never met because of this, you know, round orange leather pill. Like, it's a beautiful, beautiful life. And Kyrie Irving never seems like he's having a great time anymore, right? And the last thing I, I like to see is joy being taken out of dudes' games, especially when they have such joyful games. like. When's the last time you thought Kyrie Irving was having fun playing basketball? It's been a minute, man. And I'm going to tell you when. When they beat the Warriors. When the Cavaliers beat the Warriors and Kyrie Irving was on top of the mountain. Because let's face it, Kyrie Irving got as much credit as a second banana should and will ever get. Right? Like Kyrie Greatest Irving shot was, in NBA history, in my oh, opinion. Hmm, there you go. Okay. Greatest shot, huh? That's, that's big, right? Because of the circumstance, um, who it was against, how it happened, who it was for, championship-wise, the city of Cleveland. Like, I got you. I got, man, that, that, that Ray Allen. That Ray Allen, though, boy. That, oh, I know. That is, I know. that is, <laughs> it's pretty hard. You got, you got the Spurs on the other end of that. You know, like, you got popped. You you know that we just I finished think, talking about them. Yeah, I, I think that finals, man. I think that finals goes down as one of the great finals that we don't give as much love to, in terms of just game for game in that finals. Like when you get to when you get to a game six and you got that kind of star power on the court and guys are bailing out like that Heat situation for four years was as fun as it's been for me post-Jordan, if not the most fun I've had post-Jordan watching basketball because every night you knew some some premium shit was about to take place because one team was providing five Hall of Famers. So so whoever was on the other side of that in the playoffs, we're going to have seven or eight Hall of Famers on the court at the same damn time. Like, just imagine who was on, on the court at that moment, dog. We're talking about Ray Allen, Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, Manu Ginobili, Kawhi Leonard, Tony Parker, and, uh, and Tim Duncan, by the way, and, and Eric Spolstra and Greg Popovich coaching it. Like, you don't get much better than that. I, I, would, I would fashion a guess, man, has there been a moment where we've had 10 Hall of Famers on the court at the same time in a final series with two Hall of Fame coaches? Like I don't know if I don't know if it gets much better than what was on the court at that moment. So for that shot to and on top of it, for for Mario Chalmers to resurface the way he has over the last couple of weeks. Shout out to Cameron. But for Mario Chalmers to resurface the way he has over the last couple of weeks, and then point out that he was over there wide open. And and I'm gonna tell y'all something right now. Go back and look at Mario Chalmers' record. Like Mario Chalmers hit and took some big ass shots. For that that Heat team to hit and took some big ass shots for Kansas. You know, we all know here in Chicago, that man was standing in the way of D Rose winning the national championship. So yeah, I'm gonna have to go. I might have taken away I anyway. Mean, so they would have won it regardless of if Memphis won or not. And of course, I mean, Michael's last shot. Like that's that's high low territory. We can have a conversation about everything else, but 
you know, before the the Jordan files kill me in the comments and kill me on the Reddit. You know, I, I, we got a little Reddit page I hear that popped up for us. So apparently we're making some kind of waves. Or it's just the people who are taking the hate from my previous 18 years in the city and they're now transferring. Long form. Right, now. right, right. They, right. <laughs> they just moved Limited to a different characters. location. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> they just moved to a new location. So they're like, all right, we got to, God damn it, we got to move again. <laughs> we moved from the score. Then we moved to TV. So we can watch this big stupid ass. Now we got to move over to the ringer. I hate this guy and his success. Son of a bitch. Uh, and now, because <laughs> Rudy Gobert and Kyle Anderson, because that's where this all started, because Rudy Gobert and Kyle Anderson are out here fighting, and Jaden McDaniels walks back through the tunnel. And by the way, Dollar Bill, I saw him throw out the tweet the other day about, uh, you know, who was going to vote for his defensive player of the year. Low key, I think the best defender in the NBA this year has been Jaden McDaniels. And for him to punch a wall and break his hand, yeah, <laughs> the NBA was like, hey, let's press the implosion button on Minnesota so that when they play the playing game against LeBron and the Lakers, they'll have the, the best defender and then also their best rim defender not in the game. There you go, LeBron and Anthony Davis. Enjoy your stroll to the next game because that's what's going to happen here. That's what's going to happen. I can't wait to I listen. It's going to be so delicious. I cannot wait. LeBron James and the Lakers about to beat whoever they play in the first round of the playoffs. Include, what's the matchup? If they, they it, Jesse. If, if, if they, they win, they the they'll eighth, be the seven. Um, be, and, and if they lose and, and then win, they'll be the eighth, right? Yeah. No, no, no. If they lose, they're out. If they win, they'll be the seven. So, yeah. I, um, and, you know, I'm not scared of Memphis right now. Um, Steven, Steven Adams, Adams is going to be yeah, out, yeah. That Steven Adams injury is horrible. Brandon Clark has been banged up as well, right? So they go out and sign that guy, big man Kenny Lofton, right? Like a dude who we all watched on, Kenny Lofton Jr., we all watched on uh, Instagram. And he gets into his first NBA game after having a two-way contract and being the G League Rookie of the Year. This man gets to his first game and gets 42 points. Huh? Guy. Huh? That's my guy. Huh? Nobody oh, believed no, in him. He's a player. Well, they should have. I mean, come on now. He's I want nothing but great things for that young man. I do too. I do too. But you gotta make people believe in you. You know? He went to Louisiana Tech, right? Right? If I'm not mistaken. I mean, shout out to the great characters they put out into the NBA. You know, Carl the mailman Malone being the only one that comes to mind, to be honest with you. Yeah, Louisiana Tech. Yeah, he went to Louisiana Tech. So Shout out to Kenny Lofton Jr., who is not Kenny Lofton's son, by the way. I know y'all going to run into every bar now and be like, hey, you see Kenny Lofton's son out here kicking ass? Well, Kenny Lofton that y'all talking about, like, is a banker or something. <laughs> like, that's, that's Kenny Lofton Jr.'s daddy. But the Kenny Lofton that we talk about is the guy, <clears throat> of course, who was uh, of Cleveland franchise fame on the baseball side of things and, of course, former point guard at the University of Arizona. So, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to these playoffs, dog. I'm looking forward to these playing games. I mean, we'll we'll do more on Tuesday uh, surrounding Bulls, Raptors. Hope maybe we'll, we'll get a chance to talk to somebody, get the lowdown on what's been going on with the Raptors, the baby dinos, um, see why my guy Scotty Barnes seemingly has hit like a little bit of a sophomore uh, pause in his, in his trajectory. Um, of course, Pascal Siakam put up the best numbers that he's put up in his NBA career. Pascal Siakam is one of those dudes who, like, you see his numbers every night and no one respects him. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you're like, oh, yeah, 26 and 8? Oh, he's killing the game. And then you watch it, you're like, yeah, but that shit ain't going to beat nobody. You know? Like, like, Julius Randle finally got over the hump of, okay, he's doing it enough that it'll beat somebody. <laughs> we look at Pascal Siakam like, all right, it's cool, but it's kind of, it's kind of, fluky looking so a man got played 71 games 72 games average 24 and 7 and 5 yeah he was amazing he was, he's been putting on a show <laughs> Masai Ujiri is like please don't leave me please here go all the money you know the Terminator left me after I took a one year gamble and won with him so I'm, I'm gonna be the man here for the rest of my life but please don't leave me Pascal we out here we drafted every Euro possible every hard to pronounce name possible and getting all Florida State players and we are gonna figure this thing out you know up north but nah man 
I, uh, I I think the Bulls have a chance to win this game. Depends on what DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine do against Nick Nurse's defense. Depends on what happens with the shot making. But I'm looking forward to the playoffs, man. This That Western Conference is more, um, more mid than a lot of people want to admit to, right? Like, for years, we shit on the Eastern Conference because it was fun to do so, and you were right. But the, the, the uh, scripts have been flipped because no one is scared of Sacramento, even though they've had a historically good offense. The Golden State Warriors are Clay Thompson playing poorly away from being in the first, getting beat in the first round. Like, you got to win some games on the road. And I know our guy, Zach Cram, we should get a chance to talk to Zach here soon because he actually talked about the statistical anomaly of the shot profiles and shot creations that have happened uh, against the Golden State Warriors on the road this year leading to their horrid road record. They have played like an expansion team would play on the road this year. And they're the reigning champs. They've had by far the road, the worst road season after a championship-winning campaign. So, yeah, we'll see what the Golden State Warriors are. It's hard for me to bet against Steph and Clay and Draymond. Uh, but I think Steve Kerr's offense is getting found out. And I don't think these young players have uh, progressed the way that people thought they would. You know, I like Moody, I like Kaminga, I like a lot of these dudes, but, you know, it's time now. And Jordan Poole, too. I mean, Jordan Poole, you know, people treated him like a, another splash brother, but he's just been decent to pretty good this year at times. You know, that that step up where it's like, okay, when Clay leaves, it's going to be on lock. That, that, that confidence isn't there in his game. And you can go back to what happened between him, him and Draymond all you want, but he's been paid now. <laughs> they made the decision. Right, they made they made their decision. Um, they're going forward with it, and Jordan Poole now has to start playing at a different level. Whatever is going on with Andrew Wiggins, man, I mean, we all know the the talk around the situation. I wouldn't wish that on any man or any woman, anybody uh, to have to go through, and then on top of that, have to be in a high pressure situation like professional sports. So, uh, I hope he is. Uh, hope he's okay, and I hope. Uh, I hope his uh, mentals are where they should be. But, yeah, I don't know who's going to win the West. I mean, I'll mess around and pick the Lakers just because I think on any given night, they're going to have the two best players on the floor. And if not the two best players on the floor, it's going to be number two and three or number one and three or number one and two. But two out of the best three players on the floor are usually going to be Anthony Davis and LeBron James. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, this Denver Nuggets thing, I I'll believe it when I see it in terms of, all right, here go Jokic. Here go Game 7 Giannis-type activity, where I've given you 45 whether you want it or not. I don't know if Jokic has that in him. Haven't seen it yet. Looking forward to seeing that on the big stage. And, of course, you know, on the Eastern Conference, it's a three-team race, and really, to me, that means it's a one-team race. I think the Milwaukee Bucks are far and away the best team in the Eastern Conference. I think they're the best team in the NBA. And barring any bad health, Drew Holiday is playing at, a, an MVP-type level. Giannis Antetokounmpo is playing at an MVP-type level. Uh, Chris Middleton, can you keep him healthy enough through a playoff run? That has been a question. But Bobby Portis is a star in his role. Brooke Lopez is a star in his role. I do worry about their outside shooting a little bit. I do. I do. But uh, we'll see. We'll see, man. The, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, man. <laughs> they might mess around. You know, we talk about building dynasties. Might have to look back if they make it again this year and win it. Might have to look back at what these last four or five years have truly looked like in the NBA and what Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks have been doing to us. So I'm all in. The NBA regular season has been wrapped up. Uh, if you came here to hear me whine and bitch and moan about the Chicago White Sox, y'all gonna have to wait till next pod to do that. Not about to let a one-zero loss to the Pirates and, a, and a, an embarrassing series loss to the to the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, get me. Uh, all frazzled on this blessed Easter Sunday. Uh, shout out to the Cubs. They got a three-game winning streak snapped. Cool. <laughs> if you're into that kind of thing, sounds good. We'll get into all the baseball stuff here soon. Uh, let me come on down from the basketball season, right? I'm still buzzing about my draft stuff as well. And, and I'm feeling really guilt-free about not having to watch the men's national championship game. Still don't know who won, to be honest with you. I think UConn won. If I'm not mistaken, that's what people are telling me. Uh, they told me a Hurley won the championship. Yeah. Told me UConn had the most unprecedented run throughout the finals 
in in in, in tournament history. Guess who missed it? This guy right here. <laughs> Wasn't about to watch them play no jail ball. With San Diego I did not State. hear one conversation about it. And you shouldn't have. The the women locked it down, and these dudes was out here missing shot. If 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 one shining moment plays in the forest and no one is around to hear it, did it happen? <laughs> not on my goddamn TV. It didn't happen. So. That's all we got for you. Uh, I've had a fabulous time doing this tonight. Uh, it was free-flowing. It felt good. It's Easter Sunday, right? People are still outside acting up, enjoying themselves. You know, hopefully you hung out with some good family. Um, our guy, Tony Gills, just put in the chat that he's got to use the bathroom real fast. So I'll, uh, I'll stretch out this goodbye uh, so he can get back and be a part of it as well. But man, I hope you enjoyed yourself. You know, I know my I know my Muslim brothers and sisters are still observing Ramadan, if I'm not mistaken. So the high holy days are still going on for some, and and of course, uh, Easter. If you observe, if you celebrate, uh, happy Easter to you out there, to all the folks, all my Caribbean folks out there. You know, all my 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 Latinos and Latinas out there doing their thing, and of course, you know, shout out to the white folks as well. Shout out to y'all for everything that you do. Um, I'm sure potato salad was, was raisiny and I'm sure there was a nice green bean casserole on, uh, each one of your, <laughs> each one of your tables, huh? A good, a good cold ham on the table, right? You know, maybe, <laughs> maybe mix in a little brown. No, let me stop. Let me, let me chill. Shout out to my white folks though. Uh, I love y'all. Y'all are good to me. And I'm good to y'all when y'all are good to me. All right. Has Tony come back from the bathroom yet? <laughs> That's all the time we have for episode 230 of the Full Go podcast. We want to appreciate. We want to appreciate. I'm an idiot. I'd like to appreciate and thank all of those out there who listened, uh, who hung out with us. We want to thank our production staff, of course, the shadowy figure that is known as Steve Cerruti. Happy Easter to Steve Cerruti and his beautiful, beautiful family. My main man. Jesse Lopez. Yeah, I'll switch it up on you. He's not going to be the active Jesse Lopez on the pod anymore. Jesse's going to be moving around with the good people at the ringer. Uh, He's got something very, very important coming up soon. And uh, I'm sure he's going to uh, do exactly for those pods what he's done for this pod. I've had a terrific time working with my man, Jesse Lopez. You know, it's gone from Tanny to Jesse to Tony. And uh, I, I don't think there's been any drop off, to say the least. He's actually been the person who I've gone to with a lot of my questions about how the ringer does things. And uh, he's made he's made my transition in, in this pod flow in a way that uh, I don't think he gets to just do or credit for, even though I say his name at the end of every single pod. He is not just the active Jesse Lopez. He has become a friend. So, Jesse, I appreciate you, brother. Um, congratulations once again to you and your beautiful bride to be. Thank looking you, man. forward to, to hearing about it and seeing what goes down with you in the future. And of course, you can jump back on anytime you're ready to come hang out and slum it here on the Full Go Podcast, brother. Love it, man. I appreciate, appreciate the kind words, Jay. And I appreciate, you know, the city of Chicago sports scene welcoming me because it's, <laughs> it's really weird when you listen to a Chicago show and it's like, what is this guy from L.A. doing on the show, you know? <laughs> <laughs> nah, they loved you, but, man. They but loved, I, I appreciate it. I have, you know, I'm going to have a soft spot for Chicago sports going forward. Um, everyone, everyone but the Cubs. Cubs, Cubs yeah. can suck. Cubs suck. Yeah. But yeah, you know, yeah, White yeah. Sox. I'll have. A, I'm. I'm gonna go out. And, <laughs> I'm gonna find a White Sox hat. I'm gonna buy a hat. A White Sox go. hat, and I'm gonna look start look, rocking that. Look at him taking on all the misery that he doesn't have to take on just for no damn reason. I'm, I'm, I won't recommend sports. Yeah, what is he talking about, Tony? <laughs> just, just say, man. Hey, I had a good time hanging out on the pod and move the fuck on. Why would you try to take on somebody else's badass kids? Huh? Okay, this is I'm empathetic not, like that. This is not fun right now. <laughs> all right, but Jesse, once again, man, thank you so much for everything you. Not nah, thank pod, you. Man. It's been a, been a blast, man, getting to know you. Indeed, uh, it was. And, and of course, and of course, my main man, Tony Gill. Uh, so for the fellas, I am Jason Goff. Thanking you, as always, for downloading this thing. Thanking you for subscribing to this thing, because I know you are subscribing, even though you're not. I know you're not. I know you're not. I know you're just listening every once in a while, and you're not downloading and subscribing. Do all the damn things I tell you to do. Download this thing, subscribe to this thing, share it with your family and friends. And of course, 
Thank you for rating and reviewing us, giving us the five stars you know we need. If not, we're going to catch you in the streets. We will talk to you on Tuesday. The voicemail line is always open for you at 773-359-3103. That's 773-359-3103. So for the fellas, I am Jason Goff. Thanking you so much as always. Telling you to take care of each other. Be safe. And remember, stay sucker free. Talk to you on Tuesday.